And it's great to see you all here. I wonder right now if you could just grab out your um, message notes in the middle of your uh, news sheet. And if you don't have a pencil, just put your hand straight up. We want to get one to everyone who doesn't have a pencil. And while that's happening, I just want to say a few things to you. I reckon you guys are a fantastic church. Over these last couple of uh, weeks, we have had so many changes in this church, haven't we? Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Some of you used to have to come here just 10 minutes early to get your favourite seat. But I've seen people coming a lot earlier than that and giving up your favourite seat so that others can sit there. And I think that's fantastic. And we've uh, been so crowded in our kids' church uh, areas that we've had to move our kids' church right over to the uh, administration building. So we've got our very little kids' church is, is meeting over there. And some of you have had to change your routines. Some of the car parks are made available for the little kids and their mums to just and dads to park there so they can go and put their kids in and move over. And some of you who have three kids have to go from over there back to here and back to here in order to get to church. And I, I have never seen a church that's as flexible as you guys. You do everything to get here on time and to be part of it. I want to say, especially for the older people in the congregation, we just take our hats off to you. you you've had to come earlier. You've had to change. There's been so many people and lots of changes. And we just want to praise God that you're uh, being part of all this and getting on board. Let's, let's just give yourselves a, a round of applause, everybody. And I wonder, is this, okay, there we go. Well, if you've got your outlines there, we're, we, we're going to begin our second, uh, our second week of the 40 Days of Purpose. And we're going to be talking about answering the question, what on earth am I here for? But specifically today, the fact that we were planned for God's pleasure. We've got 66 small groups that are meeting at all different times of the week. Um, this week we've had uh, everything this Friday I think there was more than 60 women here that were had their children looked after while they met here on Friday mornings they had uh, I think six different groups where uh, that were running at that time on Friday a Monday night we had men meeting together um, here and we had lots of them as well we've got groups in morning in the night we've got the little the kids church are all studying the 40 days of purpose while we're doing it here as well so it's a church-wide event and it's exciting and today we want to look at the fact that we were planned for God's pleasure. Mike uh, Rocco reported in the Chicago Tribune uh, a true story that happened in America. There was a guy named Bill Malroy and he traveled to India to discover his purpose of life. He actually didn't find the answer there. But when he returned, he started to just pull into petrol stations and he noticed that at every Chevron gas station, petrol station, there was this sign that simply said, as you travel, ask us. So every time that he pulled into a Chevron station, he would look at the sign and he'd say to the person that was serving him, I'm a traveller. And I'd like to ask a question. What's the purpose of life? <laughs> and these were the answers that he got, and they're true answers. I'm not making it up. The first guy said, sorry, I'm new here. <laughs> <laughs> the second guy said, I don't remember anything in the manual about that. <laughs> Another guy said, I'm not much for church myself. And one guy gave him a leering look and a wink, or whatever that means. However, most of the people just gave him a real blank stare. Uh, they sort of just kept cleaning the windscreen or serving the petrol, just giving a, a blank stare. But one day, this Bill Malroy got a phone call from Chevron service stations. And uh, he was the manager of the customer relations department was on the phone. And he said, we understand you've been asking our uh, dealers questions and getting unsatisfactory answers. The man suggested then that he, he write 
his question and send it to Chevron Corporate with a self-addressed stamped envelope. So Bill Malroy wrote, what is the purpose of life? And he sent it to Chevron Gas Company. And a couple of weeks later, the envelope was returned. And the only thing in it was an application for a credit card. <laughs> you know, you're not going to find your purpose in life from a gas company. You're not going to find your purpose in life from a talk show. You're not even going to find your purpose in life from a self-help book or a seminar. If you want to know the purpose of life, you have to either talk to the Creator, the one who made you, or you have to go to the Creator's manual for life. You either have to talk to God or talk to the manual. See, you were made by God and you were made for God. And until you really understand that, until you, that sinks in, your life is just not going to make sense. Today we're going to look at the first of your five purposes for your life. God has five reasons for creating you. And today we're going to look at the first one, the, the number one. And let's read Revelation 4 and verse 11. Let's read this together. You, God, created everything and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. The Bible says you were created for God's enjoyment. Would you just circle the phrase in that verse, uh, for your pleasure, for your pleasure. The Bible says that you were actually created for God's pleasure. God made you to enjoy you. God planned you for His purpose. And the only reason that you're alive today is that God wanted you alive and He gets enjoyment out of watching you. I wonder if any, anybody here has kids. Put your hands up if you have kids. Now, I wonder, do you wa enjoy watching them? Sometimes, don't you? <laughs> Sometimes you really love it, but there are other times you don't. Well, it's the same with God. God loves watching you sometimes. You were made for God's pleasure. And when you were born, you came out of your mother's womb. And God was there right in the room the moment you were born. He was smiling from ear to ear at the fact that you came into being. Because he made you because he wanted to know you. He smiled at your birth because he actually created you because he wanted to enjoy you. He made you for his purpose. Now last week, you might remember, we, we talked about how God created you to be loved by God. And this week, we're going to look at the flip side of this. God created you to be loved by God. But the first purpose of your life, that's that God created you not only to be loved by him, but to love him back. He wants you to love him back. He wants you to bring enjoyment back to him. As much as he created you, just the same. He wants you to love him back. You know, one day Jesus was walking down the street and a guy came up to him and he, and he said, Lord, what's the most important command in the entire Bible? And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to give it to you. This is the most important thing. If you don't get this, if you don't understand this one, you know, this will summarize the whole Bible. Okay, now ready, just get it. This is it. This is it, the most important thing. And let's read it together from Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God. This is the first and greatest commandment. God says, this is the first and greatest. Why don't you circle those two words? The first and greatest. God says, if you don't, get anything else, you, you should know this. You're supposed to love me. You're supposed to love me back because I made you and I know you and I want you to love me back. Now, you know, there's a word for this. It's a word that we often misunderstand. It's a, it's a word that sometimes we don't use very much because it's been so misunderstood. It's the word worship. Worship is knowing and loving God back. Now, the, the problem with worship is that so many people misunderstand it today. And when I say that word, worship, I wonder what you think of 
in, in your mind. You know, some people think of prayer. You may think of singing. You may think of perhaps a, a ritual like communion or like going to church or maybe you think of some of the things that you actually do while you're here in church. But you know what? Worship is far more than all of those things. You can write this down. My first purpose in life is to worship God. Do you know it's your primary objective? It's your highest priority. It's the number one purpose God has for your life. We're going to talk today about what that means because unfortunately, as I've said, many people misunderstand what it's all about. Now, what does a person look like when they worship, I wonder? Have you ever thought about that? What do they look like? Now, if you read the newspaper, they always have you know, exactly the same picture of someone worship. It's kind of like this. Or, or maybe, you know, uh, people have a couple of images, but, but there's no particular one way to worship. There are, there are millions and millions of legitimate forms of worship. You can worship God in so many different ways. We're going to look at them today. We're going to look at what does it really mean to worship? And probably the best verse in the whole Bible that talks about what it really means to worship is Romans 12 and verse 1. Let's read it aloud together. Would you read it with me? Because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourselves as living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Now, I want you to circle three words in this verse. The word because at the very start there, and the word offer, and again, the word offer. Because really, that's what it's all about. Now, I'm not going to really go into too much detail this morning into this verse, because actually this week, as you do your daily readings of the book, The Purpose Driven Life, this verse is going to be unpacked a lot more. But I'm just going to put down, uh, point out two things um, from this verse. First, this verse is saying that worship is my response to God's love. Worship is just the re way I react to God's love, the way I respond when God loves me. That's what worship is. Notice it says, because, because of God's great mercy. His love comes to us and when we receive it, we then worship him back. You see, in this case, God actually takes the initiative. He starts, he loves us first. God makes the first move. God doesn't ever ask you to make the first move. He always makes the first move towards us and he creates us. He saves us. He forgives us. He blesses us. He protects us. All these things he does for us. And then because of that, we respond with worship. And notice what we do. We offer. This word describes worship. The second thing is giving back to God. Worship is giving back to God. And God gives to us and therefore we give back to him. So whenever you give back to God, whenever you offer anything to God, well, that's called worship because that's what you're doing. And that brings pleasure to God. It brings enjoyment to God. You know, when your kids are grateful, when your kids are thankful for something that you've done for them, it brings you pleasure. Well, in the same way, when we give thanks to God, our Heavenly Father, that brings Him pleasure. Now, the question is, when it says offer, what am I supposed to offer Him? You know, many people have got uh, friends that you might buy uh, birthday presents for or Christmas presents for, and you think, what do I give them? They've got everything. Well, God's the creator of the heavens and earth. He made everything. Everything belongs to him. You think you've got problems with your, with your uncle? 
Well, God actually owns everything. What can you possibly give to God that he doesn't have? He's made the universe. What do you give him? Well, I'm going to tell you what you give him. You give him your love. You give him your love. And God's very specific about how to give that love. We're going to look at this today. In Mark chapter 12, would you read this verse with me? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That's what it says. This is the verse for you to memorize this week. You're going to have fun this week trying to commit this verse to memory. But it's, it shows us how God wants us to offer love to him. I want to point out that God wants me, that God wants you to love him in three ways. First, God wants me to love him thoughtfully. It says to love him with your mind. You know, this is thoughtfully. In other words, God wants you to actually think through, uh, to not just do it without thinking. He wants you to worship him thoughtfully, actually using your mind thoughtfully. Second thing, God wants me to love him passionately. He says, with all your heart and with all your soul, I want you to love me passionately, he says, because I passionately love you. I want you to love me that way. And thirdly, he says, I want you to love me practically. Practically. Love me with all your strength, with all your abilities. You see, the truth is that God created the entire world and he created the universe and he created you as well. And there are three things, though, that although he created everything, that he doesn't have unless you give them to him. There's three things that he doesn't have. He doesn't have your attention unless you give it to him. He doesn't have uh, your affection unless you give it to him. Now, that's loving God with your heart and soul. And he doesn't have your ability unless you give it to him. That's loving God with all your strength. And whenever we take what God has given us, you know, of those things that he's actually created and he's given to you first, when we take them and we give them away and we don't give them back to him, we're not doing what he's created us to, to do. You have attention, you have abilities, you have affections, you have all these and God wants to, you to give them to him. And when you do, when you do give all those things back to him, that's the heart of worship. That's coming right back to what it means to worship God with all your heart. Let's sing this song together, The Heart of Worship. Well, number one on your outline there, worship is focusing my attention on God. It's focusing my mind. It's focusing my thoughts. It's focusing my attention completely on God. Do you know, in a lot of religions, the idea of worship is really kind of to put your mind in neutral, to kind of lose your mind to the universe, kind of. But the truth is, God actually wants us to worship him thoughtfully. He wants to worship us to worship him with our minds, and that takes energy. It takes energy to get your mind focused on, on, on God. Not just going through the motions. Not just doing the same old, same olds, but really thinking about it. Really focusing our attention on God. And that's not always easy to do. Have you ever uh, prayed just on kind of autopilot? Have you ever, uh, you know, like at a meal, gone to pray and just said, blah, 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 amen. You know, uh, often at, at that times, if someone said, what did you pray about? You'd have no idea what you pray about. You know, there's been times I've, I've said, let's pray, family. And they say, dad, we just did. <laughs> I have to... But it's because it takes effort and energy to focus our minds, our attention on God. You know, some of you might zone out when, I'm, when someone's speaking, not me. But when someone's speaking up here, perhaps you zone out. That's because it takes 
energy. You've got to really work at focusing. And that reminds us that it takes energy to focus on God. You know what God wants you to focus on? God wants your focus to be on Him. And you know why He wants that? He wants him your focus to be on him because his focus is actually on you have a look at this verse you have looked deep into my heart lord and you know all about me you know when i am resting or when i am working you notice everything i do and everywhere i go did you know god has focused his attention right on you did you know that he is constantly watching you he he never takes his eyes off you he never stops thinking about you the reason he made you is to love you and he never stops giving you his attention and you know that's the greatest expression of his love often the greatest expression of love is is giving you attention you know sometimes some guys will say to me i don't know my wife and my kids they they just don't don't seem to feel like i love them and yet i i work so hard for them i give them this i give them that but you know what they miss Uh, people don't want your things often the thing that expresses our love the most is giving people our attention and it's the same with god god wants you to give him attention our attention is an incredible expression of love god puts his attention constantly on us can you remember the time you first fell in love you couldn't get that person out of your mind could you 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 thought about them when you woke up in the morning you thought about them all through recess <laughs> <laughs> You thought about them all day long. You just, you couldn't take your mind off them. They constantly were in your mind. You know, that infatuation is something that we experience when we're first in love. But with us, that infatuation often wears off. But do you know the truth that God tells us that his love for us is eternal? It doesn't wear off. He's always focused on us. And he wants to teach us to actually be able to focus our heart, our attention on him. He wants to teach us how to do that. And sometimes that's difficult. It's difficult to focus on God. Honestly, the easiest thing to do in life for for human beings, for you and I, is to lose our focus. You know, it's so easy for us to take our mind off things and lose our focus you know those auto uh, cameras that you can get where all you need to do is point at an object and it automatically focuses in we're not like that are we i wish we were that we could just focus our times on but we have to actually choose to focus on things it's not automatic we've got to choose now how do you how do you do that how do you actually focus uh, on there well you realize first of all that we actually do get easily distracted and there are two things that distract us easily and things that get our focus off god and the first truth is that we're self-centered by nature now these things aren't in your outline but you can jot them on a corner if you want to Um, we're we're self-centered by nature and and the second thing is that we live in a self-centered culture so First, we're self-centered ourselves and we live in a self-centered culture. And these things distract us from focusing our attention on God. A couple of verses that are on your outline. Romans 8 and verse 7 says, Focusing on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. And anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about self than God. So we have to decide to focus on him. And on the back, uh, I think it might be on the other side of your outlines there, uh, is another verse that's in Romans 12, 2. It says here that our culture, 
Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. We must choose. Why don't you circle that word fix? You see, the reason it says fix there is that we have to make a choice. We have to fix our thinking. Choose to stop thinking about some things and start thinking about God. Now, how do you do that? Well, first of all, you can start by doing that by just establishing a daily time when you slow down and you spend time with God. Just a few minutes during the day. Um, it doesn't matter when you do it. You can do it in the morning. You can do it in the middle of the day. You can do it at night. It doesn't matter. But the main thing that you do is that you stop everything else that you're doing and just be with God. Talk to Him. Now read His Word. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, Find a quiet and secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. Would you circle a couple of words in this verse which is so practical, isn't it? Circle the word place. You, you've got to find a place to do this. Now, in the Old Testament, there was only one place where you could worship God. It was called the temple. Um, you had to make a journey there, and you had to go to the temple to worship God. But that's not true anymore. You can worship God anywhere. You can worship God wherever you can just find a place. In your car, on the way to work. Um, Perhaps sometimes somewhere in your backyard you can worship him. It could be a corner uh, in your lounge room or in the living room in your house. Uh, wherever it is, you just find a place where you can focus on God. And I want you to circle that word in that verse simply. Just be with God simply. You know, no ceremony. No fancy words. You don't have to say big fancy words. You're just there with him, talking to him. And then would you simple the word, uh, circle the word honestly. Just be yourself. I, I want to really put some of you at ease. You don't have to be all, um, you know, all spiritual. Don't, don't try and be super spiritual when you're with God it doesn't work you know some of you are trying to be all spiritual and you you know it doesn't make you look um, consecrated when you're like this it makes you look constipated sometimes <laughs> am I allowed to say that in church uh, I think I am but but the truth is you don't need to 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 be like that you don't need to do that. God will take care of the spiritual side of things he'll make you more spiritual when you're just honest with him when you just be there be yourself. Be honest with him in those times. That's the second thing that you can do to focus on God. And that's um, it's to develop not only just at one time during the day, but to develop a constant conversation with God. Let's look at the next verse on the outline here. The Bible tells us in uh, Psalm 105 and verse 4, Worship him continually. Just think about him right through the day. Think about him all the time. And you have to decide to do that. You know, I, pe I know people, I've heard of people that have actually set their alarm clock on their watches to go off every half hour. And it must drive all their friends mad. But every half hour, no matter where they are, they're just reminded, oh, think, whoever I'm talking to, I'll pray for them just quietly. Or wherever I am. There's some people um, I've heard of that actually get into the car. And every time they get in the car and on a journey, they think, well, I'm getting into a car. This reminds me to pray for someone, for something. They, they just make some of their daily habits reminders to pray to God. So they're praying for him all the time. Um, you can do it any way you want. But find out ways just to remember to pray. As you do this, and as we do this together, we start focusing on God, and you know, incredible things will start to happen when you keep your focus on God. 
Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. When you focus on yourself, you know, the inevitable result are going to be things like this. If you focus on yourself, you're going to find yourself having thoughts of worry, insecurity. You're going to have thoughts of guilt, of fear, of anxiety, of bitterness. The more you think about yourself and focus on those things, that's what you're going to experience. But when you shift your focus from me to God, when you do that, then you're going to experience all of a sudden things are going to change. You're going to have a sense of gratitude and you're going to have hope and you're going to have confidence. As you do that, things change. Why don't we do that right now? Why don't we shift our focus from ourselves and on to God? Let's worship him together. Open the eyes of my heart. I think I should go. Now, not only is worship focusing my attention on God, but it's also expressing my affection to God. This is loving God with your heart and with your soul. And some of you, some of you find this kind of uh, pretty tricky and pretty tough because perhaps you grew up in families where they didn't actually show much love, much affection. Perhaps that wasn't the normal thing that went on in your home. And perhaps you've grown up kind of without knowing really how to express affection to other people. Um, perhaps they never said, I love you a lot in your home. And maybe now you're the kind of silent type. It's not going to be easy for you to express your affection to God without feeling kind of weird or, or awkward or a bit like, I'm going to look stupid. Well, you know, for you people, you're going to have to learn. There's going to have to be some hard work done on your part to kind of learn how to develop and come to a point where you can say to God, I love you, God. Remember the first time that you ever said, I love you to somebody? Probably you were scared to death. I don't know, maybe your palms got all sweaty and your stomach all got knotted up and, and you were all nervous. Now, why, why do we get like that? Well, because we're scared that if we say to someone, I love you, they might just go, oh, that's yeah, all right. <laughs> we, we hope that they say, I love you back. I, I love you. you know, remember in, in uh, sort of maybe year seven, year eight, we, we used to say, Oh, I like, uh, I like that girl, but I'd never say I love you. But why don't you go, go off, talk to her friends and find out what she thinks. And, you know, we go off and we, they, they go off and they find out and it comes back. And then when you think you know enough that they're going to feel the same way about you, then you're bold enough to say, I love you. You know, you, you want to kind of check it out first. You don't want to just put yourself out there on your sleeve and realise that they don't love you back. But you know the thing that's really good about all this? God's actually taken all the risk out of you saying, I love you to God. The reason he's done that is that he said it first. God's already said that he loves you. He said it in a thousand ways. First of all, you know, he created you. He's taken care of you. Even when you didn't know it, he was actually showing you his, his love to you. And God has said over and over and over again, I love you. So you don't have to worry about who's going to say it first. God already has. So don't worry. Now this next verse, the Bible says, we love him because he first loved us. You know, in many religions, God is an angry tyrant. And you've got to really work hard to appease God. And you have to try and avoid hurting God. Or you have to, you kind of got to run away from Him. And you've got to be afraid of God. But you know, that's not the real God. The Bible said, says, God wants to be loved. God wants to be loved. And He wants you to love Him. Have you ever said to God, God, 
I love you. Have you ever said that to him? Because God wants you to say that to him. Notice this verse. God is talking here in the Bible, in Hosea 6, and he says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Now, in your outlines, would you circle that word love? And would you circle the word know? Because that, friends, is the first purpose of life. That's what it is, church. The first purpose of life is to know and to love God. And if you get that done, if you get that done, you've accomplished the most important thing in life. God wants you to know him. And because uh, he made you, he loves you, and he wants you to love him back. You see, the most important thing you can do in life is uh, know that God loves you and give him that love back. So when you get up in the morning, before you get out of bed, uh, maybe you move over to the sit, sit to the edge of the bed and say, God, you know, I've got a, a lot of things to do this morning, but if I don't get anything else done today, at the end of this day, I want to know you a little bit better and I want to love you a little bit more. Because if the, at the end of the day you've done that, no matter how much problems you had during the day, no matter how many of your plans fell over, if at the end of the day you can say that, your day has been a great success. Your heart's still beating and the purpose of your life is to know and to love God first before anything else. On the other hand, if uh, at the end of the day you might have got 36 jobs done right off your list, you might have uh, achieved great accomplishments, incredible goals that you've done, and if at the end of the day you don't know God a little bit more, and if you don't love him a little bit more, then the day was wasted. It's a failure because you weren't put here on earth just to check off things from your to-do list. The first reason that God put you on earth is because he wants you to focus your attention on him by expressing your affection to God. You see, the fact is that God has very, very deep feelings for you. He really does. He cares so much about you. And you think, oh, he doesn't even know my name. Well, he, he does. He knows your name. He knows all about you. He's never taken his eyes off you. You're, he's intimately acquainted with you. He's never too busy for you. Why don't you read this next verse out of Exodus 34 with me. It says here, He is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Circle that word passionate, would you? Passionate. God is passionate about you. He longs to know you. He longs for you to know him. He longs for a passionate relationship with you. You might say, oh, come on. But that's what it's like. God says, I, I made you because I want to know you and I want to love you. And you're ignoring me. He's, he's, he's passionately in love with you and he wants you to be passionately in love with him. You know, Valentine's Day. Imagine if I came up to Mandy and I said, Honey, uh, honey, here are some flowers that I'm giving you uh, now. Second point, I am your husband. <laughs> Third point, husbands are supposed to give flowers on Valentine's Day. Here you go. How do you think she's going to react about that? She doesn't want my duty. She wants my passion. She wants me to say, oh, honey, I love you and here these are. <laughs> I just didn't realise how much I'd set myself up with that. <laughs> you see, God doesn't want your ritual uh, we often we often come to church and we and we, we you know we come and sometimes it's almost like we're here out of duty. He doesn't want you to come and say, "Oh God, <laughs> I love you." <laughs> he doesn't want your duty. He doesn't want just ritual or religion or rules or regulation. God really wants a relationship with you. 
He wants to know you he's, and he's passionate about you and he wants you to be passionate about him. I want you to love me, he says, as much as I loved you because I made you and I want you and I created you. Now, some of you, this is going to be hard because you're not naturally expressing expressive people. So how can you express your affection to God? Well, if you've never, ever done it before, if it's kind of funny for you to do that, well, there's a simple way that you can start. It's just by saying thanks. Just start by saying thank you. Start looking around at everything that you see and start saying thank you to God. Thank you, God, for this beautiful sky. That's gorgeous. Thank you for green trees. Thanks for clean air. God, thanks that I'm still breathing today. God, thanks that I, I'm not freezing to death this morning. Thanks that I've got something to eat today. God, thank you that I live in the, this beautiful part of the world in Wodonga. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You could go on and you could go on and on just looking around, finding thing after thing after thing to say thank you for. Everything you look at is a gift from God. And the, when you start thanking him, you become thankful. And there are probably hundreds and hundreds of things that you could begin thanking God for today. It's a good way to start expressing your love to God. It's a great way to start. Now, some of you think, well, um, you know, worshipping God. I'm not, I'm not good at singing. You know, you think, oh, I'm not a good singer. I'm out of tune. You know, there are lots of different ways to worship God, not just singing. Uh, not just music. These things are fantastic ways to worship God. And they're ways you can even if you can't sing. But there are so many other ways rather than just those forms as well. Uh, God wants you to express your love to him. Now, the greatest way that you can actually do this is by actually giving yourself to him. That's the greatest way to express your affection. It's just giving your life to him. Uh, you know, when you're at a wedding, there's people are all dressed up together and they say, oh, I do, and she says, I do, and everyone claps and cheers and you think, why, why do they actually say those kind of things? Well, it's because they're actually publicly saying, I'm giving myself to you. I'm, I'm giving myself to to you. You're mine, I'm yours. And that's their vows. We're saying, I give you my life, I surrender myself to you, I'm committing myself to you. Why? Because that's what love's all about. You commit yourself to those that you love. So when you say to God, God, I want to express my love to you, you say, I give you my heart, God. I give you my soul my life's in your hands. I'm giving you everything. I want you to take my life. That's the greatest way to express your love to God. Have a look at this verse here in Romans 6. It says, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life. And again, remember, it's always a response. God gave to us. Then he gives us new life in Jesus. And, and he says, I want to give you, give it, you to give back completely to me. Now, why, why, why don't we give our lives completely to God? Why, why are you afraid? Why, why are you not giving your life to God? Well, it's just one word. F-E-A-R. Fear. Quite frankly, some of you are chicken. You don't want to give your life to God. It's a huge thing. You're afraid to give your life because if you say, if I give my life completely to God, it's going to, I'm giving my life, I'll become like a religious fruitcake. You know, some of you think maybe I'll have to start saying Jesus instead of Jesus, you know. Maybe I'll have to become some religious kind of nut and, and that everyone will think I'm weird and kind of kooky. But that's not the true at all. God doesn't want you to become someone strange and weird. He wants you to become you. Actually, God created you so that you would give your life completely to him. And the more you do that, not the more kooky you come, the more actually human you become. Because that's how God made you to be. Uh, that's, that's what he wants you to be. 
God doesn't want you to turn you into some crazy person, some religious zealot. He wants you just to be you. In fact, you're not fully you until you give your life completely to God. Until you come under his purposes, you're just existing. But it's clear that fear is one of the things that keeps so many people from giving ourselves to God. You know, there was a a lady called Liz Curtis Higgs and she was one of the most well-known disc jockeys in America and she had lived a really wild life. She was known for her uh, wildness and there's a morning DJ, um, she was on the evening program and the morning DJ guy had a reputation for being really you know, crude and living a wild life as well. And he actually said of Liz, he said uh, to her, he said, you've got to clean up your act, Liz. Now for this guy to say that showed just how uh, terrible her life was. In fact, she'd been hurt and burned by so many men in her life that she had um, all the brokenness or the bitterness or the anger she'd taken and she'd actually become a militant feminist and really militant, like she just had it, had it in for men. But one, one time there was a, a, a girlfriend of hers, a Christian girlfriend who just kept inviting her to church week after week after week and one day after a long, long time she finally said, I'm going to go, I'll go to church. This will be the one time, one time only. And so she went with her friend. And that week, the pastor just happened to be teaching on the Bible verse that says, wives, submit to your husbands. (laughs) It's not exactly the kind of verse you want to start uh, when you bring someone in, but uh, especially a feminist. And and you can guess, she got uptight. She got really ticked off. She got angry. But she continued to listen and she actually heard the second part of that verse, which not many people ever talk about. You see, the second part of the verse says, and husbands, sacrifice yourself. Now, you give yourself to your wives just as Christ sacrificed himself for the church and died for her. People don't ever hear that second part much, do they? Who is is asked to give up their life out of the husband and the wife? The husband. The husband, and, and, and when Liz heard this while she was sitting there listening, she kind of uh, leaned over to a friend and kind of a little bit cynically she said, well, shoot, I'd give myself to any man if I knew he would die for me. And her friend leaned over and said, Liz, there is a man who loved you enough to die for you. His name is Jesus Christ. That's how much he loves you. No, it was not long after that, that Liz dropped her guard, that she surrendered her life in love and she became a believer. Now today she's a well-known Christian speaker and Christian author. And many of you are saying, you know, this thing about loving God, Jonathan, I just don't know if I love God enough. You know, I I just don't know. Do you know, that's not your problem this morning. You say, I don't love God enough. That's not your problem. The problem is you don't realise how much God loves you. That's your problem. You really don't know how much God loves you, that he knows every detail about you. If you knew how much he loved you, you'd throw your arms around him. You'd respond fully and you'd say, Jesus, I come. I surrender. I give everything to you. If you love me that much, I surrender to you. Ourselves to God. We're showing our affection to him. Another way, thirdly, of expressing our love to him is the truth of worship is using my abilities for God. This is loving God with all your strength. You see, God wants us to use our minds. He wants us to use our heart and our soul. And he wants us to serve him with our strength. I've been married for long enough to know that it really takes more than just kisses and hugs 
to express affection. Um, Mandy loves me to say, I love you, Mandy, and I try and tell her that every day. And she likes me to actually kiss her and show her affection. Isn't that true? <laughs> but there's another kind of love that I need to show her too. Um, I need to just back up the things I say and the way that I cuddle her with actually practical expressions of love. I actually need to show her that I'm willing to do chores around the home. Sorry, fellas, I've got to say this. <laughs> Sometimes there are things that need to be fixed and I've just got to fix them. Sometimes there are things that I've got to go out and collect for Mandy or for the family. Sometimes there are times when responsibilities need to be shared. And that's a practical time when I can use my abilities to really show clearly, this is not just words here, honey. This is more than that. I really love you. And I'm going to show it by actually doing things for you in practical ways. Helping, fixing, serving, sharing, all those kind of things, a way that I can express my love. And that's part of worship too. Notice this next verse in Colossians 3.23. Read it with me. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. Now, if you get this verse, it will absolutely revolutionise your life. You'll never be the same once you actually understand this verse. Notice again, whatever you do, that means anything. Work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. You see, the good news is you don't have to join a monastery to worship God. You don't actually, uh, you know, some of you might, might go home saying, wow, this worship thing, this surrender thing, I'm, I'm going to surrender my life to him, so I better go home and, and, and live somewhere else away from the rest of the world and just be there 24 hours a day with God, just me and God. Well, you don't need to do that. Well, then perhaps I should come to church every day of the week, not just Sundays. No, you don't need to do that either. It's not about that. It's about actually changing who we're working for. And when you change who you're working for, your work actually becomes worship. Your work becomes worship. You see, most of us, we, we struggle so much because we can't compartmentalise our life. We kind of say, okay, here's my worship. If I go to church once a week, maybe I go to a small group and maybe I have a, a, a daily quiet time or a time when I'm reading and uh, just a little bit about God every day and I'm learning for him and that's my worship. And then over there I've got my career and then I've got my friends and I've got my family, my social life. Then I've got all these other things that are all separately. And God says, no, no, no. He says, I want, to, I want you to invite me into every area of your life. I want to be involved in it. Invite me into just the whole thing, God says. Now, if you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this one truth because it's going to really change your life. In life, it's not about what you do that matters. It's who you do it for. It's not about what you do that matters. It's actually about who you do it for. You give it all to God and all your work can be turned into worship. And it really doesn't matter if you're the butcher, the baker, or if you're the candlestick maker. You can do it for the glory of God. You say, I'm going to do this as though I was doing it for God. And now, you know, you may be cleaning carpets you may be a, a, a lawyer. You may be a nurse. You may be someone who's at home raising the children. You may be an executive. You may be an, a manager, a salesperson, a truck driver, whatever it is that you are. It doesn't really matter. It's who you do it for. You know, a lot of people get hung up on this. What's God's will for my career? God, should I do this or should I do that? 
And God says, you know, I don't care really. Whatever you want to do, I wired you in a certain way. I gave you certain interests. Why don't you do what you're interested in doing? God doesn't really care what you're doing so much, but he cares who you're doing it for. So if you're doing repairs, God wants you to be the best you can at repairing things. God, you might say, I want to repair things this week as if I'm doing it for you. And if you're good at cooking, God says, say to God, God, I'm going to cook this meal, whether it's for my family or whether it's in a restaurant, I'm going to do it for you. If you're filing, if you're organising, you say to God, God, I'm going to file these things in a way that's going to bring you glory. I'm doing it for you. And now that turns work into worship. Not just in church. God doesn't want worship just to be a church thing. He wants it to be your whole life. He wants your life to worship God. I want you to notice this verse, this paraphrase in the Message Bible. It says in Romans 12, Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life and place it before God as what? An offering. That's right. There's that word again that we were talking about earlier. We, we said offer is the essence of worship. I'm offering my life to you. Now, this is where the rubber hits the road. You know, living a life that is really purpose-driven driven, doesn't happen at church. It actually happens not either in a small group. It doesn't happen in your personal time with God, but it happens every day in the ordinary, routine, mundane things of real life. That's where it happens. You can make beds for the glory of God. You can milk a cow for the glory of God. You can you know, clean your garage for the glory of God. And some of you ought to do that. <laughs> Everything, whatever you do, can be turned into an act of worship. Notice, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, putting your heart and soul into it as though you were working for the Lord. Now, what if you decided today, uh, what if you said, God, Tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to work and even though it's the same place that I've been working maybe 10 or 20 or 30 years, what would happen if tomorrow morning you went back and you said, God, this time I've got a new boss. God is my boss and I'm going to be working whatever I do today with you as my boss. Won't that turn mundane work, uh, trivial things that don't seem to uh, matter much, into worship? Don't, don't you think it would change the whole way? You'd be able to say, uh, God, take everything. Uh, I don't want to really burst anyone's bubbles, but God's not really into candles and incense and kind of all the rituals that we do in church. He's into kind of worship that says, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do it for you. And when you do that, your whole life becomes an act of worship. You see, real worship is a lifestyle. Let's, uh, let's reflect on these words as we think about in our whole life, God being glorified. We're coming towards the end now, but just a few final things we want to share with you. Uh, there was a, uh, the truth is that everybody really wants to worship something. Everyone will worship something. So the question today is not, will I worship God or not? You're going to worship something anyway. That's the truth. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. You are going to worship something. You know, last year we had Australian idol and there were so many idols, that uh, Australian idols, but there are so many idols in Australia that you can worship. And you've got to choose which one you're going to worship. Are you going to worship God? Are you giving him to your, uh, your whole life to him? You know, the biggest 
temptation that you can have is one that Satan put on Jesus. Remember, uh, Satan would want to go for the biggest tool that he could possibly have with Jesus. And so what he did was he said, uh, why don't you worship something else to Jesus? The biggest temptation in your life is always to worship something else other than God. Uh, To give something else your attention, to give something else your affection, to give something else your abilities. But the Bible says in Psalm 37, uh, this verse, God pays attention and God delights in every details of your life. God is going to take care of everything else when you give it to him. He pays attention to your life and he cares for it. You know, this morning, there may be some of you that have never come to a point where you've realised how much God really loves you. Perhaps you never ever realised that God wants to wants you to worship him in the three ways that we've talked about today. Thoughtfully, you know, the passionately, the practical way that he wants you to worship him. And perhaps to, today you've realised for the first time that this is how God wants you to live for him. I wonder this morning, as we finish this time together, If you're feeling like today you want to change the way that you've been living and make your whole life a life of worship, perhaps you've been following Jesus for for a long time but you've had him compartmentalised. If you want to give your life to him this morning, there's no better time to do that than now. Why don't we just pray together, church, as we finish the time this morning. Father, what we've talked about this morning is actually no minor issue. We realise, God, that we haven't been talking just about one of the peripherals. We've been talking about the most important thing in life, getting to know you and love you. And God, there are people here this morning that are from so many different stages in their spiritual journeys. Some are here for the very first time. But each of us, God, we want to take some steps. God, we pray that you would give us the courage and give us the strength to take the next steps that we need to grow in our knowledge and our love of you. And now, right while you're you're here, you might want to just pray Something like this. Uh, Not aloud, you can just pray it in your mind. And if this is a prayer that you want to pray, you can just pray it with me. Dear God, I wouldn't even exist if it weren't for you. God, forgive me for all the times that I think and act like you don't matter. God, today I've realised that you made me to love me and that the first purpose of my life is to know and to love you back. I'm amazed that you long for a relationship with me and I'm amazed you're interested in every detail of my life. But most of all, God, I'm amazed that you would actually come to earth and die for me. I don't understand it all, God, but I say, wow, please forgive me. God, for not worshipping you. Oh God, I want to learn how to focus my attention on you throughout my day. I want to turn my work into worship. I want to learn to love you with a love that you deserve. God, I want to love you thoughtfully with my mind, passionately with my heart and soul, and practically, God, with all my abilities. When I go back to work on Monday, God, I'm going to be working for you, doing my job as if you are the boss. Perhaps this morning, if you've never opened your heart to Jesus, why don't you add this sentence? Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me as much as I know how. I want to give my life back to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Do you know this morning, if you just take out 
your, the, a blue card that you'll find in your um, news sheet. You'll find that there. And just in these moments, we're going to give you a time to respond to the things that you've heard today. The first thing we'd just love you to do here is to put your name and address details on there. And if you can fill that out, we're going to give you some time just in a minute to do that. And if you turn the card over, you'll notice on the back it says, if you were to die today and you're uncertain you'd go to heaven, uh, if you know that you'd be with God today if you died, well, tick that one. If you say, I'm not sure, then you might tick that one. But today, if you've realised that you want to surrender your whole life to God for the very first time, if you've never done this before, you might tick that box underneath that says, my decision today is I'm committing my life to Christ. Some of you may have realised that you haven't lived a life of worship and you want to renew your commitment to him this morning. You can do that underneath. And some of you maybe said, I want to give my abilities. I want, to, I want to do whatever I can to help. And, you know, right now there are kids all over the place that are with not enough leaders and helpers. Maybe you want to tick, I want to help with children's programs. But why don't we just give you some moments to respond now as Sandy comes and leads us. And just as we close this morning, um, just want to say praise God. Many of you have understood God's love for you and are responding to him. And I just can't wait to see the difference that it will make in our lives as our whole life becomes worship. We just want to let you know that the Living Life magazine has been absolutely fantastic and they've been stormed and there's no copies left. So you're going to have to beg, borrow or steal, whatever you can do. Perhaps if you've got one, you might sell it. And it might <laughs> you could make a lot of money off them right now. But it's, we've just been overwhelmed with, with that. And we just want to say thanks to, to Deborah and to Julie for what they've done. Let's give them a it's fantastic. We just want to share with you this morning that John Goldsworthy's mother passed away this week. And we just want to extend our sympathy to, to John and, and to the family. And we just know that's a really tough time. And also to Yuba. Yuba's grandmother passed away over in Nigeria. And we just want to say that we're, uh, we're, our thoughts and our um, prayers are with you and your family too. So I uh, just want to also let the rest of you, everybody else know, it's not too late for the 40 days of purpose. You can still sign up today. You can still bring people along to the small groups this week. $12 out the back. And we just uh, continue to say, let's uh, just receive everything we can during these 40 days of understanding God's purposes for our life. Praise God. We're going to finish by singing together.